I'm I'm rolling up my sleeves, by the way, because now we're getting into, now we're getting deep. Yeah, we're getting into it because you know one of the most sexy things to me, you know, I don't know how how graphic I could be, but one of the most sexy things to me is is when someone shares themselves with me, when they share their truth with me, that gets me harder than anything else. You know, oh, God. it's. <laughs> Listen, I tried to ask I'm, you. Let me let me paint a picture for y'all. Currently, I'm sitting here with my with my head, my face, and my palms. <laughs> no, but see, I and it's not about the sex of it. I'm just being real. I'm I'm not. No, af- I get it. I'm not afraid to talk about sex. No, I get it. I am Darnell Moore, and this is being seen. An in-depth exploration of culture's role in resolving the tensions between how we are seen and how we see ourselves. Focused on the gay and queer Black male experience, the first season is a space to explore culture with leading artists, writers, activists, and entertainers. If we create nuanced and accurate cultural portrayals of identity and experience, we have an opportunity to reduce stigma and change perception impacting everything from HIV to institutional inequity. Sex and intimacy. Intimacy and sex. Pleasure. How do we define these things and in what ways do we cultivate them or allow them to show up in our lives? Are our intimacies many or are they few? And do we ask the people we let into our spaces to show us the care and consideration we both need and deserve? Learning and allowing intimacy is hard, especially when we haven't always been taught to grow it within ourselves. And when we don't see it around us, the tenderness and vulnerability of Black men has rarely been allowed to make it to our screens. To find our intimacies, we have to be willing to ask for what we need and feel comfortable articulating when we do not consent. Because we are so worth it. The loving, the vulnerability, the communities of care, places where we can love, make love, have sex, and practice deep companionship that are safe and that are free. Delon Burnside, award-winning actor. No, I think intimacy, I, I, I would define intimacy as the manifestation of vulnerability. I think that intimacy is sort of the the emotional product of vulnerability. And we often try to lump this idea of intimacy into sexual relationships or romantic relationships, but intimacy is created in so many different ways. And, and all, all the times that I have sort of felt what I think to be intimacy it, it's in moments when I have felt vulnerable or the person with which I'm sharing intimacy is being vulnerable or, or both. And so, yeah, I think it is the, the emotional product of vulnerability. As to how I would like to experience intimacy, I would like to experience it often. <laughs> I think it can be a scary thing um, to, to be intimate with other folks. So often I have been afraid of intimacy I think that I can really relate that back to just the ways in which I've been conditioned and and taught 
to exist in the world that doesn't encourage uh, men, particularly Black men, to be vulnerable and to share intimacy, especially not with other men. But I would like to experience it often. I would like to experience it in its truest, most authentic form. I would like to experience intimacy, not only with my romantic partners and romantic interests, but but with with my friends. Um, and, you know, Darnell, you're one of my dearest, closest friends, and we've known each other for years. And I've shared many intimate moments with you. And that those are the kinds of friendships that that I seek friends that I can I can be vulnerable with and that I can share intimate moments with and so I I I want I want intimacy in all areas of my life and sometimes for those of us who carry our hearts right like who lead by the heart that can lead us into a lot of interesting places <laughs> but I think the joy is in getting to a place where we are vulnerable enough to let people in and and also to to, to, to offer invitations for people to be in our lives, but also to embrace invitations when they come our way. The relationship between intimacy and sex. Zeke Thomas, musician and advocate, and Delon Burnside, award-winning actor. What do you think we get right about that relationship between intimacy and sex? What do you think we get wrong? I think what we get right about it is... The act of, you know, passion. Passion to me is intimate. And then there's also just, you know, fucking. And that to me, you know, doesn't need to be intimate. Um, That's more focused on pleasure. And it could be though, right? It could be. I guess if you into that, I mean, I'm I'm more, if, if I'm passionate, that's intimate. In my eyes, in my in, in my experience, in, in in my whatever, you know, I wanna I wanna feel love. I wanna feel like I'm being concentrated on, that we are in this moment together. You know, if I'm just pounding a booty hole, that that's to me is that it is what it is, you know. Is y'all can't yeah. see me but my mouth just <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to paint a picture for the audience. And, you know, give some real knowledge around, you know, intimacy and the difference between sex and intimacy to me. Now, you know, you mentioned a group of people. And I think, you know, a group of people can be intimate. I'm just trying to be sex positive and not, you got You got to be careful with that, though, because I think when you let more energies in, you're, you're letting, you know, more things have to connect. And if you're not connecting, that can really mess up the intimacy or really just mess up the fucking, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I just want people to be careful with who they let into their space. Because if you're really trying to connect with somebody, you got to connect with somebody on an equal plane. And that generally means you got to connect with them on a sober plane. You got to connect with them, you know, knowing their ins and outs, their good habits, their bad habits, and you got to truly accept that person for who they are. Talk a little bit, you you mentioned this, you, you noted that sometimes we can conflate intimacy with sex. Um, and, and that is not to say that they are not connected, but talk a little bit about the relationship between intimacy and sex. And what do you think we get right about that relationship? What do you think we get wrong? 
Oh, God. We get so much wrong about it. I've gotten so much wrong about it over the years. Um, But, you know, like you said, sex and intimacy are not the same thing. You know, I can have sex with somebody and it be... It's so not... It's the opposite of intimacy. It's like we actually so many times use sex as a way to not only disconnect from other people, but to disconnect from ourselves. Um, and I think that that is, a, that is a trap that I've fallen into, uh, is, is using sex as a way to disconnect from myself, to escape from myself, to escape from my life and the things that I don't want to deal with. And I think intimacy is, is quite opposite of that. It's actually uh, getting deeper into self, and acknowledging all that self is and putting all of those things on display, putting all of those things on the table out in the open and sharing them with one another and saying, hey, this is, this is me, this is who I am, what you see is what you get, and the other person doing that in response. I think the thing that we do get right when we talk about sex and intimacy is that there is a space that is created that can be created in sexual interactions that really gets to the heart of 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 what intimacy is listen i think for me i the the sexual experiences that i've had that have felt the most soul fulfilling body fulfilling were those in which intimacy was the grounds through which we were engaged. For me, intimacy, or at least an invitation to welcome someone into your space, an invitation sort of to open the door into ourselves, has to be connected to consent. The practice of receiving a no and failing at masculinity. Dr. Kai Green, advocate, writer, and scholar. What do you think that freedom means in terms of intimacy? What needs to be changed or, or what would that look like to get to that freedom dream for us to experience intimacy as Black people, as Black trans folk, queer folk, non-binary folk in these Black futures? What might that look like? I think part of it is learning about teaching, spreading the word about enthusiastic consent, right? Which is like really having a conversation. Do you want to do this? How do you want to do this? And and trying to make that fun because it can feel weird if you haven't been in the practice of consent. But I think also one of the other important things that we should try to teach each other, ourselves, people coming behind us is how to say no. Because I think as someone who is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, saying no has been something that I have had to learn how to how to practice. I'm still practicing it. And it really comes up when it comes to like intimacy and sex. Like it's hard for me to say that feels uncomfortable or no. And so what would it look like if the same way we practice like enthusiastic consent, we practice how do you say no when something's uncomfortable so that we can get comfortable with it in our bodies and also how do we practice receiving a no how does these the sort of dominant ideas these masculinist ideas shape are the rules even 
how we come to sort of experience or not experience intimacy? Well, one thing I've noticed is being a trans man, I feel like masculinity has always been something that I'm grappling with, traversing through. Um, and I, but I don't think it's it's any. I mean, it's different for trans men, but I think all men are sort of grappling with how do we move through masculinity and how is masculinity sort of put upon our bodies and how do we want to challenge it? And so as a person who exhibits what I would call a kind of softer masculinity or a masculinity that is not afraid of the feminine, that actually embraces the feminine and understands like actually masculinity and femininity are a binary that hold each other up, right? And so I think one thing that's been really challenging is learning how people who are actually queer state that they're like radical and all of these different ways will also want to police my body and make me masculine in a in a stereotypical sense. Like, well, I need you to sag your pants down like this because I don't want that. Basically, like... <laughs> First of all, I'm like, did that in the 90s? Like, <laughs> we don't do that no more. We wear skinny jeans. Exactly. Like, I went on a date with a femme woman and she was just like, your pants are too tight. You're, you're definitely not wearing those for me. Like, insinuating, like... You're, you're gay. You're a gay boy. And so you need to get it together. <laughs> and, and that's hard. That's hard when you're like, um, I'm not going to change who I am, but you're basically telling me I'm failing at, a, at masculinity that we already know we all fail at. And so I think masculinity in that sense, it keeps us from, from closeness, from touching from, from wanting to be close because we're supposed to be like strong, hard, you know, not showing emotion, not feeling. Also not desiring being attractive, right? Yeah. Like that's not supposed to be something that we're into. That's not masculine. <laughs> I taught last year a class on Black masculinities and it was interesting because the course was mostly Black women and one, one man of color. And I had so wished that more Black men would have showed up for that class so that we could have these conversations. But I wonder, like, what it is about masculinity and talking about it that might be scary to to be exposed, to know that, like, oh, this thing that I feel so grounded and centered in and defines my manhood is actually very unsteady, unstable. When we are forced to live up against an idea of something, an archetype, a two-dimensional reflection of what we think we have to be, we make ourselves less than. How could we possibly imagine that there is one standard, one way, one measurement for masculinity or the experiences of manhood? How does that compromise and constrict our intimate lives? Intimacy and consent, Zeke Thomas. I just want um, to just honor you. I hadn't had, had a chance to do this publicly. I've done it um, publicly without you probably even knowing. But oh, wow. your voice and you lifting up your story, being brave to talk about and come forward about your experience of sexual assault was so not only inspiring, but empowering for so many people, including me. And um, so publicly, I just want to say thank you and 
um, the amount of courage that it takes to pro- to have done that, I cannot even begin to imagine. So I'm just interested. What made you decide to speak out and share your story? What was the journey? How's that journey been um, for you? To be honest with you, and I got to say, you know, thank you for that because it 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 never goes um, unfelt. At first, you know, when I decided to come out so publicly as I did on, you know, a Good Morning America um, and have gone on to speak about it, it was done from a more selfish place, as I feel most survivors just want people to hear them. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do it, you know, in front of millions of people. But realizing the impact that it was going to have, I didn't realize that until much later. Nor was I even truly ready for what that moment entailed. I wasn't healed. You know, I I went on television, said my truth, but I wasn't, you know, healed. I wasn't ready to level up. I wasn't ready to go to the next stage. I wasn't even committed to doing therapy at the time. You know, now I'm doing it, you know, three times a week and happy and everything's going great. But at that moment, things weren't. And I thought that screaming it out would really honestly, like, solve all my problems, which it didn't. But it was the first crack in a long journey. And the way that, you know, the response has come back with so many survivors reaching out to me, whether that's seeing me, you know, on that interview or hearing another interview or, you know, getting a lot of people who have now seen me on MTV's Catfish. Um, and definitely people are going to hear me on this podcast. You know, I I welcome people to reach out to me and hit me up. And if I, you know, sometimes my DM box gets full, but generally I try to, you know, get back to everybody if they're appropriate. Uh, <laughs> get me but, started. Exactly. But I think that the main thing that I have learned throughout this is that we have more shared experiences than we realize. Yes, we do. And everybody's, you know, every everybody's life is completely different, but we have more shared experiences than we realize. And if I would have taken the time to reach out even to my inner circle, um, I think I would have been much more serviced um, to elevate my life faster or more quickly um, than I did. Listen, just, let me just say that, you know, healing is is often understood, at least within sort of like Western medicine and like our understanding as like a destination that one arrives to. And then you get there and it's like you don't have any more traveling to do. Healing is a journey, you know, and that moment for at least seems to have started you on that journey, on that healing journey. And I'm just grateful that somehow you were able to summon the strength to do what you needed to do for you in that moment and to be selfish, which is often seen as a negative. Um, sometimes it, we have to be selfish in order to get healed, in order to get free. And um, I'm, I'm grateful that you did that. A miseducation in the language of consent, being unwilling to receive a no, poisoned by toxic ideas of masculinity, The pathways that lead to sexual assault are many. To prevent it, we need so many things. And one of them is people like Zeke, someone who shares their story, 
uses their platform and is candid in all the ways that help us to create powerful change. Getting the details right, staying connected to our characters, Ida O'Brien, intimacy coordinator for some of the best shows we are all watching right now. Go a little bit deeper into um, your work in, in I May Destroy You, because in a recent interview, you discussed your process of creating the movement um, in intimacy scenes and that you want the details to be right, both based on what the writer envisioned, which you noted, but also based on what is being represented, which you also just noted. For example, in an anal sex scene from I May Destroy You, you said one of the important details, our decision, is the difference of legs parallel to legs and turnout for the anal sex part. Like, this is so dope, right? Like, And that's so important because it signals authenticity, right? Why would you say that accuracy is important when it comes to representing scenes for communities like queer and gay or trans, black, male communities who have almost had no intimate sex scenes on major films, on TV or whatever. And then given that, what do you think is the opportunity we, where we can create those um, representations of intimacy? So um, I really believe that as an audience, if we can journey through watching something, through something that we just get in our gut is true, then we can almost um, just, that's a given, and then we can stay being connected with character and character relationship and storytelling and also really connecting through to what the writer is wanting to express through this scene. Again, in reflection, I was um, thinking about um, in the past before we had intimacy coordinators and so so many times that we'd sit squirming as an audience, myself included, through intimate content because it would just feel so awkward. And my realisation is that very often we were feeling the actor's personal uncomfortableness because they weren't being journeyed through a process that allowed themselves to be personally comfortable so they could be artistically vulnerable and artistically be able to bring the best of themselves um, and the best of their skill of the actor to the intimate content. And so in a way that distorted um, actually the purity of what that writer and therefore the director's vision was wanting us to experience through that scene and through an act of being able to be personally comfortable that agreement and consent you know that we're checking out is this nudity okay for you is this touch okay for you is this simulated sexual content okay for you what are your boundaries what's your yes most importantly what's not okay that'll be off the table so we can work freely with everywhere that is in that agreement and consent and then within that then going, okay, and now let's let's chart our way through a physical structure that's going to tell the right story and with all the detail. For example, you know, penetration for anal sex takes time. Withdrawal for anal sex takes time. You know, we want that to be there. So again, we can stay going, yes, I'm invested in this storytelling physically, so I can stay believing in these characters. Yes. And then therefore I can stay engaged rather than going, yeah, yeah I don't believe that. And then you've switched off and then you've both switched off both physically, but also emotionally and psychologically and the scene's got ruined for you. That's what I am working to make sure... That, that we can stay engaged and then also we can stay authentic. And I, I feel so, um, uh, you know, feeling I've done my, my job well when, when a community goes, thank you, I, I, you know, this is, this is honouring me. What did you feel when you listened to that? Like me, did you think about the relationship of her words to your life? If we know things are true and our bodies feel that truth, we can stay connected to our lovers and ourselves, our comfort 
and our authenticity will allow us to bring the best of ourselves as long as we continue to return to our conversations of consent. Staying switched on, staying engaged, staying honest is hard, but it's what allows us to remain inside ourselves and make our intimacy scenes as rich as we with our partners are able to imagine. How we learn about intimacy. Delon Burnside. Billy Porter's character is a couple decades older than the character that I play. And it was a relationship that sort of comes out of nowhere. And people uh, have written a lot of different things about it and said a lot of things about it. But what we see is these two people connect because of their HIV status. And at the time in which the show is set, it's in the late 80s, early 90s, we know that the HIV epidemic was sort of even more uh, terrifying and sort of at a peak. And so this really speaks to the conversation we're having about intimacy. So that sexual moment, you know, a lot of people had a lot to say about the actual sex act. The sex act was actually an extension of the intimacy that was created between Ricky, the character I portray, and Pray Tell, the character that Billy portrays. The intimacy of sharing their HIV status, of having conversations, of being vulnerable with one another. Billy's character had been down this road before and and Ricky was experiencing all of these fears and anxieties and thoughts and feelings for the first time. And Pray Tell was able to really help him navigate those things. And that level of intimacy that was created is exactly what I was talking about earlier. Is like when you get to be sort of emotionally naked with someone, it often feels like the next natural step is how do I consummate this physically? How do I express everything that's happening inside of me emotionally and physically? How do I express that outwardly? And so what what manifested in, in the show, in the episode, is a beautiful sex scene that was written and directed by Stephen Canals. Thank you so much, Stephen, for that opportunity. It was beautifully done, and it was a moment that I think that I will always remember and that I will always cherish because it taught me a lot about intimacy. And I think that it started a conversation for the world about what, what sex can mean and about what intimacy really is. And for me, as someone who grew up as a Black young person in the world, who was queer, who did not have any access to Black male intimacy of that nature on screen, it's quite remarkable. I can't imagine what a young person who's been watching Pose, what that image, that moment may have meant for them. And what I love, too, is that here are bodies that are, in many ways, unlike the, the, the bodies that we are forced to imagine as um, beautiful because of physicality, uh, because of age, because of skin color, because of HIV status. And this scene was so representative of what, of the power of, of the power of being seen, the power of having examples of what's possible for us. Yeah, I, I more or less thought about the folk who needed to see that and who for that was their first time seeing two men engage in sex in that way on on television and I imagine what that may have done to open up their world to open up their freedom dream in such a way that they can see themselves living leaning into intimacy as a possibility as a as a reality 
taking intimacy into our lives. Ida O'Brien. How can we do that? How can we transfer these ideas into our personal lives? How can we make them flesh? You know, we warm up our stretch before physical activity, yet we often, like, we rarely prepare, like, for intimacy. So how can we take from this conversation and apply some of these things to our lives? What should we be applying to our personal lives and make it transferable? And, um, you know, and I too, I have to, you know, full disclosure, you know, I'm not there, <laughs> you know, in my personal life, you know, or, I, you know, I have a beautiful relationship. We're, we're having our 24 years anniversary. Oh, on, amazing. Congrats. On the, thank you. Um, 5th of October. And, um, but yeah, it's, um, um, I think what we can take is that, first of all, open communication and transparency, you know, open communication, authenticity, trying to be honest, and that into me see, bearing, laying yourself bare, that has to start at that place, and then having the courage to speak your truth in front of someone, and of course the fear is if I speak my truth, will I be rejected? And and dancing and journeying our way through how you offer something, how you also say, actually that's not okay for me, but how's about this? And and that's, that's something that I'm um, that I think, well, I have absolutely been working with in my own life as a reflection of what I've been doing within the industry is, you know, in the industry, I'm saying trust and understand that a clear boundary that's put in place through the role of the intimacy coordination, um, open communication, agreement and consent, and then creating that structure, that boundary actually allows for freedom and allows for so much joy and and for us to journey so far in telling, telling these stories um, when that boundary is put in place. That's so real. To, yeah, to know that a clear structure boundaries allows freedom and I think we can take that into our lives, respecting ourselves, what are my boundaries, respecting our our loved ones' boundaries in, in our homes and then allowing that open communication and that, that play within those boundaries to, to allow us to fly and be free. In what ways can our intimacies help us to be free? Free from stigma, free from shame, free to love our bodies and our very selves. How can we be brave enough to stay connected, stay authentic? It's not easy, especially when our pages and screens are so empty of the roadmaps we need to get there. In order to learn, we need to see and we need to hear, if we can, ourselves. We need portrayals that help us imagine our way into what we desire in our own lives. The touches, the conversations, the bodies, the movements that look like the world we want to inhabit. Scene is produced by Harley and Company and Darnell Moore and created in partnership with Vive Healthcare. Theme music is provided by Moses Sumney.